Have you ever been overwhelmed by his love? And what I felt was that he was like helping me connect the dots. And I felt like Holy Spirit is so pleased when we, get a, when we start to behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished unto us that we should be called what? The sons and daughters of God, right? And I started to realize that God wants you to, to start just gazing at his love. Just start looking at his love every single day. He said that you may know how deep it is, how wide it is, how high it is. To know the love of God that passes knowledge so that you could be filled with what? The fullness of God. So whatever that's worth, God loves you. You believe it? If you ever doubt it, look again at the cross. While we were yet sinners, he loved us and he gave himself for us. So, well, we are in Acts chapter 5. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about is that Acts is a, a template of revival. Anybody looking forward to revival? And you go, what does revival look like? Is it a bunch of people acting weird? Or is it something that's tangible? Is it something that, bring, that includes the gospel and souls being saved? And we've talked about all the different things that happen. And um, we've also talked about that the Acts of the Apostles was also taught, uh, called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And if you ever want to know how the Holy Spirit works and who He is, we were just singing, I want to know you more. Well, God is in three persons, right? He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people, they really are acquainted with God the Father, and they're acquainted with God the Son, Jesus. But they go, who's the Holy Spirit? Who is He? And as we study the book of Acts, we begin to understand he's, he shows up all over the place in the book of Acts, right? And we're going to look again tonight. We're going to just see, I mean, in, in Acts 1, we saw when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they received something. Power. Everybody say power. power. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So the Holy Spirit empowers us. And we need power, right? Holy Spirit is also one who, who brings healing. We saw in Acts 3 where Peter and John coming out of a prayer time, all of a sudden they see a man who's lame. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. What did they have? The power of the Holy Spirit. And they took him by the hand and he was healed. The first of the healings in the book of Acts. We're going to see a lot more as we go in. A lot of people are saying, well, we're... How do we experience healing? You experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's yearning to heal people. He loves to heal people. So we're learning about all of that. We also learn in chapter 4 about boldness. Everybody say boldness. <coughs> so when they, they heard Peter preaching after the healing of this man, they took note of him and they said, this is just an ordinary, unlearned dude. And yet they, they could tell by his boldness that he had been with Jesus. Do you spend time with Jesus? You spend time with Jesus and it'll make you bold. Another word for bold is fearless and confident. And, and somebody who has courage like a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Isn't that right? Anybody want to be as bold as a lion? So that 
But the, the cool thing about that, at the end of chapter 4, where we left off, there is this awesome, earth-shaking prayer. And you know what the prayer was for? They were during a time of persecution, and the church cried out to the Lord and said, Grant unto your servants great boldness. Everybody say boldness. boldness. They, they said, Lord, give us more courage to stand in the midst of the persecution and preach your word that you would stretch forth your hands, that signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And the place where they were at was shaken. And they went everywhere, and there were healings that took place, and they preached the word with boldness. So, now we're going to come into chapter 5, and, um, and we're going to look at... Now, Holy Spirit has, has some more things about him. Holy Spirit comes like a fire. Did you know that? Uh, it says that, that, that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. I think a lot of people are scared of the fire. But the fire is good. When the Spirit comes down, sometimes you'll hear about revival. And, it, and they'll say the fires of revival. When the Spirit breaks out, many times he comes like fire. Well, there's this interesting scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5. It's just four words. It says, quench not the Spirit. What does it mean to not quench the spirit? If you quench something, you're putting out the fire, right? So he said, Paul is saying to the, the church in Thessalonica, don't put out the spirit's fire. He wants a light of fire in you. You guys believe he wants a light of fire in you? We sing a song, set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control, right? But the Holy Spirit comes and he wants us to fan into flame the gifts that are within us. He wants us to fan the fire. Don't put it out. All right. So, but right before we get into chapter five, I also want to say that the Holy Spirit wants us to respect him. He wants us to learn to respect him because he's sensitive to. Right. Let's pray. Lord God, we do. We thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're a person, that you are God. And we do, we respect you tonight. We ask you to reveal yourself in your word. You are the one who penned these words. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would reveal truth to us. And, Lord, we want to enter into fellowship with you, Holy Spirit. So as we study your word, we ask that you would light a fire in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is going to be a hard story that you would think is in the Old Testament to kick it off. But I want you to remember what the Lord was talking about is love because that's there too. So Acts 5, starting with verse 1, it's a story of Ananias and Sapphira. It says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings but to God. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God, right? When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. 
And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price and, uh, that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, to understand this, you need to back up a little bit to find out why they had to even tell about the sale of their land and what was all this stuff about money? What, what's the big deal? You sold it. What if you just kept it yourself? Well, if you go back to Acts 2, just a couple verses, uh, 43 through 45, here's what it says to kind of explain what the story was. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So here was the idea. There was such a powerful move of the spirit, but it affected their finances. And what they did is they would pool all of their possess their money. They sold some land. They sold a car. They would go and stick all the money into a pool and they would give to those who had need. All right. There was like a distribution. And so, so if you think about it, what was the real sin here? What was the thing that was so serious with Ananias and Sapphira? The thing was, they understood this thing that they all had agreed to and been living under, but instead of just telling the truth, they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, is that a serious thing to lie to the Holy Spirit? It really is. Why is it that of all the sins that you could commit, you could blaspheme against God the Father, and it would be forgiven. You can blaspheme against God the Son, and it would be forgiven. But what about blasphemy with the Holy Spirit? It's the one sin that is not forgivable. Isn't that right? It's what the Bible teaches. There's something really serious about lying against the Holy Spirit. Later, when Sapphira came and did the same thing, he said that you have tested the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I wonder what would have happened if they would have just said, oh, sorry, I didn't get the full amount and just were honest about it. You think all this would have happened? No, because God is merciful, right? The point was they were lying to the Holy Spirit. They were testing the Holy Spirit. And it was really, really a serious thing. I think, too, uh, it, it says that when Ananias heard this, all of a sudden he just, it's like he was struck with fear and died. I think he had a heart attack, you know? I think it was just such a serious thing, <gasps> you know? And, uh, but it just seems like, wow, this is New Testament. This is, this sounds like, you know, something in Moses's day when the earth opened up and swallowed 3,000 people <laughs> for complaining, you know? Um, <laughs> but, but it, you know, there's a scripture in Romans 11. It says, behold the goodness 
and severity of God. Amen? We are to behold, I mean, the goodness of God, it, it leads us to repentance. It's a good thing. We're, we serve a good, good father. But we need to walk in, in the fear of the Lord, right? Now, the fear of the Lord, let's just talk about that real quick. The fear of the Lord isn't to be afraid of God. It's an awesome respect for God. Isn't that right? Now, I remember one time I, I saw a blog and, um, and it was saying, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin anymore. And when I read that, I would wrote him back and I said, what about John chapter 16? And I showed him the verses that the Holy Spirit convicts us of three things, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So, so what is that all about? The Holy Spirit, when we live in sin, he, he deals with us. He says, hey, you ever feel conviction? Anybody ever feel that? And he causes us to have a respect for him. Well, Holy Spirit, you're dealing with this. I'm going to yield to you. Is it good to yield to the Holy Spirit when he puts his finger on something, a bad attitude, right? He, or you said something you need to apologize for. Holy Spirit is so faithful. And I think the fear of the Lord is to come to a place where we hate what he hates. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, right? All right, so it's, it's a serious thing to go and turn away from him and think, ah, he understands, he'll forgive me and I'll just blow it off and just, you know, live life however. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. He's sensitive and he wants us to be sensitive to him, but I believe he wants us to be sensitive when he's calling out a healing and giving us a word of knowledge and also when he's pointing out some area of our life that we need to surrender to him. You get that? All right, so, so what happened as a result of this? It says great fear fell on all the people. Now, maybe they didn't all have respectful fear. Some of them were probably shaking in their boots. Dude, two people just now died for lying to the Holy Spirit. And it, it really shook them. And um, so, but then it says the fear, they, they had this, this sense also that some of them decided to join them. So there was still revival. There was still harvest. And there were still people coming in, but they realized they're not playing games over here. God's not playing games with us. All right. So one of the things I want to say also about the fear of the Lord. There's a scripture where, where um, in Psalms it says, unite my heart to fear thy name. What is, what's the idea of our heart? Does your, your heart ever get divided? Have you ever had a divided heart? Part of you wanted to live in the world and part of you wanted to serve God. Do you ever notice that the fear of the Lord causes you to be single-hearted? He said, unite my heart. If you ever struggle with that one foot in the world, one foot serving God, ask the Lord to unite your heart. Lord, give me a single mind and a single heart that just wants to serve you. So, so yeah, that verse I was telling you about uh, is Romans eleven twenty two to consider the goodness and severity of God. Okay, let's pick up in verse 12. So all this was happening. The people, the people were like, I don't know whether we should join these guys or not. And then a bunch of them did. And then verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Isn't that interesting? Right after all of this, they performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the people used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared... Uh, dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. No, nevertheless, 
more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's what I was talking about. So they were afraid, but then nevertheless, God kept adding to the church. Another place says he added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, one of the things that's really cool about the God's idea of church growth in the book of Acts, it didn't just happen on Sunday. It happened daily because people were out winning the lost constantly wherever they went. Amen? Amen. That's what he wants us to be doing. The church should be growing because it's going. It's going out into the streets. It's going out and sharing the gospel. It doesn't just depend on Sunday to see that happen. As a result, people brought, this was really an unusual thing now. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Everybody say all. All of them were healed. Now get this, get this picture in your mind. It would be like out in some courtyard in Tempe. And all of a sudden you see all these people just take sick people and mats and drag them out into the courtyard. And there's people milling around everywhere. And they're just out in the open. They're not in church. And all of a sudden in the mats and on the beds, they're like just waiting for just... Peter's shadow to come over. Do you think his shadow had power? <laughs> well, everybody remember what, what Peter said when the man with the man that was paralyzed and the lame man, and he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. What did he have? He had anointing. He had Holy Spirit. He had a mantle on his life. Do you have that? Yes. Alright, so what it was this, this anointing that was bubbling over his life that they knew that it was, if he just walked by, he just his shadow, and I know he's gonna, I'm going to be healed. And so do you think that God used the expectation of those people who brought their friends on mats and beds? John was talking about expectation. God wants us to expect miracles. Amen? If we come here every week and we're expecting something supernatural to happen, do you think it'll happen? It'll happen. God wants us to raise our level of expectation. So these guys are, are pulling them in and, and they're just expecting. All he needs to do is walk by. He doesn't even have to touch them. And I know that they're going to be healed. Now, one of the things that I've been noticing is the Lord wants me, as I'm getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit, is I, I'm starting to recognize His mantle and His anointing in my life. Now, you guys know that the anointing abides and lives in you, right? The anointing of, of the Spirit is inside of each and every one of us, and it abides. We don't have to work it up. He's there, and He wants, he wants us to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Every day, he wants us to be continually filled, so full that we overflow. Anybody want to overflow with the Spirit of God? Now, I study people like Smith Wigglesworth, and uh, it said about Smith Wigglesworth that he carried such a strong anointing in his life that total strangers on a train would just fall on their knees and start crying out and repenting and asking 
asking what must I do to be saved. He never even said a word to him. But there was just like this, this mantle on his life. And uh, one of the things that he said, um, he said, I believe God's ministers are to be flames of fire. Nothing less than flames. Nothing less than mighty instruments with burning messages with hearts full of love. Isn't that cool? Is love powerful? Love is powerful. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he causes his love to be shed abroad in our heart. Isn't that right? So this guy, he was mighty indeed, but he was full of the love of Jesus. So everywhere he went, he was like a flame of fire, bringing the fire of God's love everywhere he went. We always hear this. Anybody ever hear the quote from John Wesley? I set myself on fire that people can come and watch me burn. Did you ever hear that quote? Wouldn't that be something if our lives were like let, asking the Lord, Lord, set my heart on fire so that people can watch me burn. Not burn out. We don't want to burn out, right? He wants, to, he wants us to be on fire with his spirit. These guys in the book of Acts were completely, completely full of the fire of the Spirit. Okay, so let's continue in, uh, in Acts 5, 17. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Remember, there were signs and wonders and healings. And they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail. How cool is that? And brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Now, does everything go perfectly when you're serving Jesus and doing what he calls you to, to do? No. So, so that, but they're in, these high priests... They took him and they were filled with jealousy. Did you ever notice in Jesus' day that most of the time he got persecuted by the religious people because of jealousy? They crucified him because of jealousy. So as soon as miracles start happening, they're like, we can't do that. So I know what we'll do. We'll stick you in jail where you can't do it. And so, so while these guys are in jail, all it says is, is that an angel of the Lord opened the jail door. And, and he told them something. He said, okay, you guys, you know where you were before and you got in all that trouble? Go back and go tell them about the words of life. So are we supposed to keep speaking no matter what happens? Keep speaking the gospel. Keep telling people the good news no matter what happens. All right, so, so they op I don't know how they opened the jail, but they let them out. I mean, they might have just kind of opened it. They went back, went out and shut it. And it was all locked up like it was before. All right. So they so they went out. And uh, and then afterward, I mean, first of all, angels. Do you guys believe angels around us? The angel of the Lord camps around about those who fear the Lord and delivers. Is it important to fear the Lord? It is. And the promise is he's going to send angels to camp around you and they deliver you. I believe there's times I did construction work. One time I was up high on a scaffolding, about four stories up, and I was crawling around on the outside braces and I slipped and I just caught myself by one hand or else I would have gone down to my death. 
I believe that day that an angel was there. And at the same time, my wife was praying for me. I found out later. And um, I've had times where I've had cars. I remember a time when I was driving on the freeway and all of a sudden the traffic in front of me stopped and a big truck behind me was, was in a full skid coming straight at me. And it's like I could feel this force pushing that truck away from my car as he went around me and in a full skid. And it's just, you know, there's angels all around us, right? There's angels that, that take care of us. But in the book of Acts, when all of a sudden heaven is open, then angels become a lot more prevalent. They become a lot more active. You begin to see angels. And we're going to see them all through the book of Acts. Angels are real and they deliver God's people. And I believe one of the things I pray for is I pray for the persecuted church. Anybody pray for the persecuted church? You pray for the ones in, in Iran. Pray for the ones in Palestine and wherever it is. There's different places. Pakistan. I'm, I'm sorry. That's one of the places. And you pray and you ask God to send angels to protect them. So angels are powerful and they're very involved. And when revival begins to happen, you see a lot more angels. So let's pick up verse 29. It says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. All right, so they were drilled by these religious people. Why'd you guys go back when we told you don't speak in, in the name of Jesus? And they had to make a decision. And I believe in this, in the culture we're in today, there's going to come a time when, although we are people who, who believe in obeying authorities and we're submitted to the authorities of the land, there comes a point when the authorities of the land begin to cross God's authority. And that's what happened here. And so they were telling them, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And they came to them and they said, we must obey God rather than men. And I hope you guys would be, I mean, we don't have to be rebels. We can just say, you know what? There comes a point when you have to make a decision. Are you going to obey God? Or are you going to obey man? And so the, the Sanhedrin, they, they hear these guys preaching Jesus. They check in the jail. The jail's empty and no signs of escape. And so then they come back to the temple courts and they find Peter and the guys and, um, and notice they preach the gospel again. And we're not going to read it because of time. But they preach the gospel even to them again. And when they preached the gospel to them, they said the Holy Spirit is a witness of all these things. And now all these religious leaders wanted them dead. And then there was this dude named Gamaliel. Pretty cool guy that they respected highly. And he began to tell them, you guys... Don't you remember the guys who came and they were, they, they were getting followers, but it went to nothing? So if these guys are really from God, then, then nothing can hold them back. But if they're not of God, it'll come to nothing. And for some reason, God used that witness and they let them go. And it says that they were flogged and released. Do you think that was any fun, being flogged? No. And... Uh, and so, so in closing, I just want to mention that I mean, these guys had their backs beaten and they were flogged severely, but they came out rejoicing that they should suffer for the name of Jesus. And they continued to preach the gospel. Now, I'm reading a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. And it's a story of revival in the midst of desperate times. 
in Brooklyn, New York. Anybody ever read it? It's been around for quite a while. And uh, one of the things that, that happened is that they, he was a part of a church. There was 20 struggling people and they were ready to quit. And, uh, and he got to a place where one time he came up in front of this struggling church and he was so discouraged. There was, there was uh, people stealing out of the offering. And I mean, it was just crazy stuff. And there was a lot of drug addicts and everything coming, coming in. And he got to a place where he just came up before the people and he was so discouraged, he just started to weep. And during this time, he discovered something. Here's what he said. I discovered an astonishing truth. God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. All right, so what happened, um, he, he decided to hang in there and he called all the people to begin to pray and cry out to God in their weakness and in their desperation. Well, what happened is God spoke something and here's what God said to him. If you and your wife will lead my people to pray and call upon my name, you will never lack for something fresh to preach. I will supply all the money that's needed, both for the church and for your family. You will never have a building large enough to contain the crowds I will send in response. And so what happened after that is he decided that the, they were going to have a prayer meeting every Tuesday night. And the prayer meeting would be the barometer of the church. If the church was, if the prayer meeting was doing great, the church would be doing great. Well, from the moment they started doing that, the church never lacked. And now it's a church of 10,000 that affects people all over the world. And it just, it's beautiful what happened. But I would say that God is calling us to be people of prayer. Amen. If you want more of the spirit of God, we need to cry out for the spirit of God. We need to be people of prayer. So here's the last verse I want to read before we close. So day after day, verse 42, day after day in the temple courts, and I lost it. All right. There it is. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Never stop. Always keep moving. Let's always keep proclaiming the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we want to know you. We want to know you in your power. We want to know you in your boldness. We want to know you in your love. And we want to develop a healthy respect for you. And Lord, we ask that you would bring us into a place where we really, truly are sensitive to you. Make us aware of your presence, just like we always sing, Lord. Lord, we just thank you. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that is just feeling like they're weak. They're in that place of desperation. And Lord, I just pray that you would pour out your grace, pour out your spirit upon them. Could you reach out your hand to the person next to you and just touch their shoulder as we close? And let's just pray. Lord, we pray a blessing. Lord, I know some are struggling in their bodies right now. And we pray for that one with a back problem right now 
And Lord, we just command healing to that back. And we just believe you, Lord Jesus, to manifest complete healing, to lift all the pain from that back. Lord, we pray for that one that is going through a struggle at work. Lord, we just pray, Father, that you would bring breakthrough. And Lord, we just pray for Holy Spirit to bring wisdom, wisdom in making decisions. And Lord, we just pray for relationships that are strained right now. Lord, that you would just bring resolution, tear down walls, bring reconciliation where it's needed, Lord. We just pray and command blessing right now on this one. And we thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.